Green Team Academy podcast, episode 61, my interview with 16-year-old Jesus Villalba Gastelum of Youth Climate Strike Los Angeles. Hey, are you ready to make a positive impact for the planet? If so, then you're in the right place. My name is Joan Gregerson, and I am an eco-nut. Thanks for joining me today, and don't forget to head over to the greenteamacademy.com website to pick up plenty of other resources to help you on your way. And with that, let's get started. Hey there, Green Team. Welcome back to the Green Team Academy podcast, and I am so excited because I'm, I'm really excited to see what is going to go down with the September 20th uh, global climate strike. And so I reached out to the organizers and said, I want to talk to somebody who is organizing a youth climate strike. And I'm so excited because I found Jesus Bialba Gastelum, and he is one of the organizers of the Youth Climate Strike Los Angeles. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. And uh, Jesus, thanks so much for joining. And I just want to start with asking you, how the heck did you, as a young person, you know, there's so many things that you could be concentrating on uh, that I'm sure are very valuable, but uh, I'm, I'm just so curious, how did you get involved in planning the youth climate strike? Yeah, so first of all, thank you for having me on. So that's always pretty exciting to make sure that everyone gets to hear the amazing stuff that's going on, not just in LA, but um, worldwide at this point. Um, um, like on my note, um, I'm a high school student, so I'm like 16. I'm just starting senior year. Um, but I started climate organizing back in February, so pretty recently. Um, I'm still fairly new to the activist scene, so I feel like I'm still pretty relatable to a lot of the people trying to jump on. Um, so yeah, um, I started when I joined my marine bio class. I started paying a bit more attention to what was going on um, in terms of like the polar bears, right, and the penguins and deforestation. Um, but it really became very personal um, as we got closer to the end of the class, um, just because we started learning about other things. Um, and at first I started to look up a lot more than what our teacher was talking about. And I came into this rabbit hole of like climate injustice, right? Um, and so if you can't tell by my names already, um, I'm Latino, um, so I'm like part of like the the brown the brown kid population in LA. Um, I'm actually um, like my parents are actually still applying for refugee status, and we came to this I came to this country when I was three, and as I started learning more about climate injustice, I realized that these were things that we were part of and that we were being directly affected by. And so it was really a moral responsibility to try to fix what was going on. Really, this is something that's like very close to me and that's why I decided to start organizing. I'm so glad that you said that because yeah, for everybody who's listening, did you hear what Jesus just said? Is that he really just got into this in February of 2019. So that is like seven months ago. And he's now one of the organizers of the Youth Climate Strike Los Angeles. And this is what I, 
I see over and over again is that if you want to be a leader, then be a leader. <laughs> Just take that first action. And so the other thing that when we were kind of chatting back and forth by email, Jesus, you'd also said there's something particular in your culture about the responsibility that you feel. And I thought that was interesting. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I try to not be as depressive as possible just because of the situation in the country. But um, in, in Latino culture, especially in the part of, of the country where I'm from, which is Sinaloa in, in Mexico, um, it's a very customary, right? Um, men in our family don't have a very long lifespan, unfortunately. Um, and so when the male figure um, is compromised or they're no longer with us, it's customary, right, for the next of kin to take care of the rest of the family when the head of the figure, which is usually the father, um, when they're gone. So as an older brother, it's kind of my job that when my father is gone to take care of not only my, my younger siblings, but also of my mother. And so that's kind of been pretty ingrained to me from, from like when I was born. They're like, yeah, you're going to be like the next of kin and stuff like that. So I've pretty much been always centered around how can I take care of my mom and how can I take care of my younger brothers, the youngest of which is currently actually four, just turned four. Um, and he has autism as well. So there's definitely a bit that we're trying to take care of in that sense. Yeah. Well, and I, I love how every person has their own perspective of how, what it means to, to be responsible in the world and in your family. And so that idea that um, as one of the eldest, that, that you would then be responsible for your, your younger brothers, for your mom, and seeing everything in that light. Okay, so let's talk about the, the climate strike and, and how you started getting people together. Because, you know, another thing I hear a lot is people say to me, well, I'm so passionate about this, but no one cares. And we know that that's not true, but we do know that sometimes it's hard to, to get people together. So how did you find other people that cared about it? And what did, you, what did your team start working on? So fun fact, um, Youth Climate Strike LA started like on the 28th of February. Um, and we have basically 15 days to plan for March 15th, which was the first global strike that LA participated in. Um, and I think in mid-February, um, I was looking at where I could sign up to climate strike for March 15th, and there was no place to sign up, and that was mortifying. Um, so immediately, I set up pages, and I set up, and I was messaging anywhere and everywhere, commenting on videos, on articles, and everything. And um, so you, the way that Youth Climate Strike is set up is that we have, um, like, different tiers of organizers, starting with local organizers, which is what I am in LA. And then we have state organizers, which work towards coordinating um, people across the state into different areas so that we can make sure that things happen. And so um, the, since I was so vocal, I stumbled across three other people at the time. And so we met in a little cafe in South Pasadena. And that's really where we got started. Um, and literally just like four people, two of which never really knew like the true extent of climate change until they started organizing, really um, got together. Um, and now we're, 
like now we're a team of like 12. Um, some people are like on and off because we're students. So it's kind of hard to gauge like the true number of organizers, but there are just so many people involved and some of them just reach out on our Instagram page and they're like, how can I organize? And then they're organizers. Um, or there are people who don't have time to organize, right? Because they're students um, and we shouldn't have to be doing this in the first place, but they're like, how can I help? And so they become ambassadors as well, which we have 20 of right now. And so what they do also is they help bring people to the strikes and share information. Okay, so you said that is like, that is insane, Jesus. <laughs> you said that you guys in less than, that your, your crew of four in less than three weeks, like 15 days or something that you organized that first strike. Yeah. So that's so cool. And sometimes I think that's the other thing too, is when we plan small things, you can't get anybody interested. If you, if you think too small, you can't find people. But if you plan something big, as you're seeing, that now you've got a dozen people, more or less, kind of on and off, as you said, uh, on your coordinating crew, and then the ambassadors. And yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about what are you planning for September 20th? Yeah, um, so across the country, um, and I think you might be aware of this, or the people listening might be aware, but we met last weekend in Iowa, in Boone, Iowa specifically, you know, everyone knows Boone. Um, so we met there to have a conversation on what we want nationally, what we want the strikes to look like. Um, but in LA particularly, we're going to be having um, basically like the general structure of the strikes that we have, which for those of y'all who don't know the usual, it's essentially um, our programming, which is music, right, uh, from local artists, as well as um, what is um, speakers, right? So we, in our climate strikes, we work on trying to make sure that those who are not elevated are elevated to make sure that they can speak and that they can speak for themselves. Um, because a lot of the times as allies, um, we end up speaking for people instead of letting them speak. Um, so that's part of what we do, right? We have um, speakers from different backgrounds. We have pe uh, people who have who are climate refugees. We have people who have been affected by the coal and by the oil infrastructure that we have in Los Angeles. So um, right now we have something that's called community drilling. Um, so basically you have like a big oil, oil um, well um, across the street from a little girl's bedroom and that's not an ideal place to live in. Um, so definitely we have people from these experiences and from these backgrounds come and speak. Um, and during that event, we also have a march, um, which is usually from LA City Hall to a place of significance. Um, but this time around, we'll be basing ourselves in Pershing Square, um, which is, it's not particularly um, significant in terms of like symbol, uh, symbolism, but that's where we're going to be basing off of this time around to make sure that we have enough room for people, right? Uh, so that everything is safe, but we will be marching to LA city hall. We'll be passing by grand central market, the department of water and power, the metropolitan detention center, which is currently basically at a concentration camp as well. Um, so that's more or less what it's going to look like. Um, speakers, music, food, um, fun, solidarity, um, and everything all around. And, and we're very excited since we're working with so many different organizations, not just Youth Climate Strike, this time around to make sure that it happens. 
That's very cool. And so you were saying that there is, so the, the, the organizing group in Iowa, what organization um, kind of leads that or are there many partners that are, are pulling that to get, we're pulling that together? Um, so right now, um, the movement that's been going on in LA and across the country has been youth led, like this new surge of movement, because we all know that this fight has been going on for more than 40 years. Um, but this new wave has been mostly youth led. And so together we formed what's called the Future Coalition, um, which is a group of so many different organizations that are youth led. You have US Youth Climate Strike, which Climate Strike, uh, Youth Climate Strike LA is a part of. We have um, the Sunrise Movement. Um, we have uh, This Is Zero Hour. We have so many other um, different organizations that either are in affiliation or under the umbrella for the Future Coalition, which together heads the, the Youth Climate Strike Coalition. Um, and so that's kind of where we get together to get ideas from these different movements to make sure that we're all moving in the same direction. And so the meeting in Iowa was a coagulation of different organizations, right, from different parts of the country. I believe it was 37 um, states that were represented, um, but we also had people from the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico there representing as well. Wow, that's great. And I think that's really helpful, too, to kind of break down some of the structure so that people know, you know, if they're listening to this and they want to jump in, that they know what some of those organizations would be. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to ask you about this, too, is what, so um, I think it's a little bit complicated. For me, myself, I feel like I've been working on environmental stuff my whole life and feel like a lot of the things that we were focused on, like the technology, we were missing the community aspect of it. And now that I know, oh man, if you don't build a community or, you know, have that community weaving, however you want to say it, that really anything that you try can fail. And if you do have a strong community, people are able to work together, then anything that you try is going to be stronger. So, so I feel, I, I don't want to make it like, okay, youth, we couldn't figure it out. Here you guys take over. Sorry. Um, so I don't want to be that person, but I also want to know what, what would you recommend? What is the best uh, role that allies can play, uh, especially for this this youth climate strike to to be supporting youth, but as you said, not kind of overreaching um, in any way? Yeah. Um, so, like, like again, um, kind of, like, the reason why there's been, like, a lot of focus in terms of, like, youth organizing um, is because of the fact that um, we're fighting for the future, right? These, like, past 40 years, people have been fighting for the future, but they don't really let the future have a voice. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, especially in the United States, right, we're in a climate in which youth aren't necessarily prioritized and so they're not necessarily given a voice um, and you can see this in government right where you have specific age limitations to enter different offices right um, there's actually current youth groups that are working on lowering the 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 vote the voting age excuse me um, and so 
as adults, I think that the best thing that you guys can do right now is really listen to the message that the youth are trying to give because right now we have very limited political power. And while that's rapidly changing, it's thanks to adults that are paying attention. Um, and so these big manifestations and these big demonstrations that are happening are to get your attention, to get your attention to vote, right? To get your attention to become active in government, to get your attention because you guys are the ones that can ultimately get this country on the right path, on the right path before we get to take that position of power ourselves. That was well said. And so you're saying, yeah, we are the future. So if you're, if we're fighting for the future, that is, that is the youth that are going to be inheriting this uh, for more years than those of us who are older. Um, and also, yeah, that if you're 16 and you care about this, you don't have the option to vote yet. So getting the people that do have that option or that can serve to understand what you're what you're thinking about and what you care about and acting on behalf of that. And so, so on the day of the climate strike, what would you like people to do? Try your best to attend one. Um, we know that it's not always like an easy situation, right? Especially if you're coming from a frontline community, right? Where you can't necessarily afford a plane ticket to the nearest major city or a bus even. Um, but I think the, the most that we can do right now is show solidarity so even if you cannot participate, um, share the images that are coming out, share the demands, share, 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 share. Um, because at the end of the day, this, this strike again is to get awareness for a problem that's been going on for 40 years. Um, and the most that we've been told is to recycle, um, which is not necessarily going to fix anything. Um, so really part of our message, which is something that you can help, right? Because, um, you can help by listening, <laughs> which is like the main point of the strikes, is that this isn't just one person's fault. This isn't just um, Susie wouldn't recycle or Timmy won't go vegan. It's that we have 100 organizations or um, 100 companies worldwide that are contributing to 70%, right, of the world's uh, fossil fuel emissions um, and so on and so forth. And so it's really about accountability. So if you can, if you can share... Uh, information because again knowledge is power that is the the biggest gift you can give anyone on September 20th. The other thing I would like to add to that is I know for me personally having participated in some of these um, that I would recommend that you prepare yourself for it strike and so yeah. if if you don't have if you're not thinking about that next step then you're likely going to feel crushed to, to be with so many people that care and then to go home and go, wait, I didn't get anybody's phone number. Like, what am I supposed to do next? And so I think the, um, and this is, this is part of what led me to start Green Team Academy was, you know, walking in these marches and things and then coming home going, what are we doing? We can't just wait for another march. And so the idea that if you use that as a, a tool to help you form a team and start working on something locally. Okay, hey, Sue, so what exactly are the demands? I'm sure you guys have thought about this. And 
Um, what, what are the demands? I think I will go ahead and pull up your Instagram account, which is climatestrike.la. Yeah. Um, so this is more or less a condensation of what we're asking for, right? Because we want to make sure that this is digestible. We have a whole comprehensive list full of bullet points and paragraphs in the national team's uh, website as well. Um, but we're focusing on these as well. Um, so this includes upgrading um, our current electric grid. So as y'all may know, um, a lot of the times our energy supply does not come from somewhere that's green. Um, in Los Angeles, this is rapidly changing, right? And that's thanks to a lot of people getting, uh, getting up and moving. Um, also the investment in green technology and development. So right now um, we're really divesting from that and we're really focusing our resources on propping up the coal economy which we know is not working out um, because it's actually more expensive right now to use these carbon technologies than to invest in greener technologies. Um, but also the, the, a moratorium on the expansion of climate, climate change inducing infrastructure. So that means oil drilling, right? That means coal mines. We want no new, um, no new infrastructure on in that sense because we've done enough harm and we're already extracting where we can and it's important that we stop. Um, and so again, this plays into the next one, which is the Green New Deal. Um, so the Green New Deal, a lot of people see it as like a policy, like a set policy. When it really isn't, it's more like guidelines or a North Star, if you will, um, to see where we wanna be in the next couple of years. And so highlighted in the Green New Deal are um, a start to, to adjust transition, right? So that means that we're not putting coal workers out of work, we're putting them into new fields and training them for those new fields. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot to look into in terms of the Green New Deal. I'll leave it to your viewers, uh, to your listeners, um, to, to look up the Green New Deal and to really read through the document. Uh, also, this ties into the creation of a committee so that we can implement the Green New Deal um, and number four and number five, which is Green New Deal and the committee for it, can be substituted by different, um, by different policies. Um, although in LA, um, we actually saw, we've seen the implementation of the Green New Deal already, and we've had a climate emergency declaration. So that also kind of partially strikes off the, the demand, although we're still working right towards stronger demands. Uh, we want laws passed. So we want laws passed now, but we need them to be based on facts because a lot of the times politicians base laws on public opinion or they base laws on uh, a way that they feel right, their religion or, or their particular um, belief system. And so we can't have that anymore. We need to have laws that are based on fact alone and that they can stand on their, on their own when put in criticism, scientifically speaking. And we want a national climate emergency declaration. There's a lot of mixed feelings amongst everyone. Um, since we don't want the current president to have emergency powers, we probably want to hold off on that on the national level. But we are pushing for that at the state level right now, since we've already declared climate emergency in L.A. Um, and we've already established a climate emergency mobilization office in Los Angeles, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, congratulations to you guys. That's something that all of us could be following. I think there's there's definitely other cities out there that have declared a climate emergency, but LA took that extra step of of developing an office. Yeah, it's very exciting. We've we've seen a lot of initiative from other countries. 
Um, and so that's kind of what we're pushing for in Los Angeles. Um, we also, and this is a big one because we're coming from a student perspective, we want teachers, we want, um, we want people in the education system to really pay attention to climate change and to pay attention to its implications um, and to include this in our compulsory education. Um, because even though I started organizing because I took a marine bio class, it took a whole rabbit hole of really bad things for me to get involved when it really shouldn't be that hard to access this information. Um, this information is very critical. There are studies um, that are saying that we might that we might see the last humans by 2050. And this is very urgent information that is not being taught in schools. And so a big part of why there is a lot of indifference in this country is because there's not enough education going around. In your marine bio class, you happened on some of these things as kind of a side note. Yeah. It's a but it, it could have been totally missed and that you had to go pursue this and then it, one thing led to the other. So, so let's get this climate change and climate justice implications. What I've been thinking about is that our education system, it talks about how power and money tend to corrupt. It talks about it in the past tense. Like, here's what happened in history. Yeah. And like, isn't that silly that they didn't stand up for their rights and then, you know, whatever. But I think that's the other part of it is teaching that power and money, big money and big power do tend to corrupt. And so that's kind of the climate justice aspect of it. As when you, when that is the case, what do you do? And so teaching more of this kind of civic engagement that, that again, you're figuring out uh, just, just by doing, which is super cool and inspiring. So yeah, let's, let's go on to uh, number nine. Yeah, so number nine is the preservation of public lands and wildlife. Um, so right now um, we have a couple of green spaces in LA, um, right? Which are accidental green spaces because they're things like parks, right? Or, or little cross sections in the street but we really need to make sure that the public lands that we have stay public because right now we have parks in our own cities, right? And these parks are carbon, um, carbon negative, which means that they're absorbing the carbon that's coming in through the urban centers, right? So for example, we have a big park in my little part of LA, right? Um, uh, which is like Southgate Park, it's called. And so this park is just, crazily absorbing right all of the all of the emissions that are coming out of the city um and helping us out right and providing cooler air but who knows in five years we might have a big corporation that wants to set up a building there right and so this public land becomes private and that green space is gone and so right now what we want is to make sure that these public lands belong to the people and that they are not compromised in any way if you notice in Los Angeles, a lot of the sidewalks are private, especially in downtown, which means that uh, they, uh, the, the companies that own those sidewalks can revoke passage to certain people. Um, so right now we want to make sure that whatever is public stays public, right? And that way we can ensure that if it is in the public domain, we can assure that our rights are protected there as well. Um, so that's kind of the logic that ties into it, right? And then for number 10, the protection of water supplies. Um, I feel like this one sounds like a no-brainer, but 
the past actions in the last two decades in the country hasn't really been stellar in terms of protecting water supplies. In fact, in um, racially diverse areas, um, i.e. Um, people of color areas, um, the water quality isn't always great. Um, you, you see places like Flint, Michigan, which have been suffering from really, 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 really bad air, bad air and water quality um, for a couple of years now, and that has not been addressed. Um, in fact, here in Los Angeles, we actually shut down water um, supplies when they are higher than 15 um, parts per million lead. Um, and so right now we have schools that are operating on 14.9 parts per million of lead, and we're giving that to kids in schools. Um, but if you go towards the west side of the, of the city, where, um, where the rich people are, right, in Malibu and in Santa Monica, that number climbs down to 0 0.03 parts per million in lead. Um, and so that ties into the climate justice aspect, where not everyone is getting clean water, and we've got to make sure that moving forward, we ensure that everyone has clean water no matter what, which is definitely a big problem in California right now, as you could imagine. Yeah. Well, and I like, too, how you're, I mean, it's a youth climate strike, but you're looking holistically at what people need to have a healthy future and to, yeah, like you said, the kids in, in Flint that have been, um, had lead in their water supply and have learning difficulties, you know, from a very young age, that's um, go, looping back to your initial thing of how do you be, how do we be responsible to our families and to our communities. And we, uh, one of the early first podcasts I did is don't be naive. And my thing was like, I've been naive for so long. I just thought that people would be, of course you'd be, like you said, you know, this seems like a no brainer, you know, to protect the water supplies, but it's, it's not always happening. And so I'm really happy that there's folks like you out there that are doing stuff. And what I was thinking we'd do next I, I'm always curious, like, what are some good signs? What are some good uh, uh, things to put on, on your sign? Okay, so right here, this is your Youth Climate Strike Los Angeles meet in Pershing Square, September 20th. That's very cool. Um, but I saw, some, I saw some of these signs from some of these others, like, don't burn our future. That's a good one. Um, apathy is destruction. This is what we're saying. Exactly. And planet, planet over profit. Hot mess. <laughs> yeah, the, the strikers that come out, come out to our strikes are super creative. What a lot of climate strikers do is at home, they make their signs and they come over, right? Um, because again, this is like 100% grassroots. Everyone, everyone brings their sign and it's pretty cool. And if they want to, they leave it and then we'll bring it back again. And if anyone forgot their sign, then we can use it, right? Um, You're recycling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It won't go to waste. Awesome. So, Jesus, if people are interested in, in connecting with you guys, with, with your crew, and I wanted to mention something you had said earlier, those ambassadors. There's one ambassador in every single high school. Um, so if you're in LA, you're wondering who to reach out to, then um, you can find an ambassador there. But what are some of the places that you would send people if they want to um, 
to connect with you and find out more? Yeah, um, so I can speak pretty much on LA um, right now. So what you can do is, and I think this is the beautiful part of our generation, I think we're pretty accessible. So if you pull up our, our Instagram page, you can just send a, a, a direct message, right? A DM uh, and just be like, hey, you know, I want to get involved. How can I do it? Um, or if not, right, um, um, you can definitely just reach out to us um, through the email that we provide in the page, which is um, Youth Climate Strike Los Angeles, all full words, and then at gmail.com. And we also have, um, you can contact us there, right? Um, a lot of people have told us, hey, you know, I'm very interested in performing my song. Or, hey, I want to read out this poem that I put together. Or, hey, you know, I, I want to speak. And they have this speech. Um, and that's really uh, sometimes how we get to know organizers, right? Someone reached out to us from El Segundo and he was like, hey, I really like taking pictures, right? I'm really good with art. Can I join? And that later became the person who does our graphics now. <laughs> so that's definitely, I think, the most accessible way to reach out to us um, and see how you can become involved. We're actually right now looking into getting more ambassadors as well, um, which you can find in one of our posts. It, it talks a bit about the ambassador initiative. Um, and there's a link there on how, or on our bio as well. There's a link that you can click and it sends you to apply for it. Um, and it's really not much commitment in terms of like planning or logistics. The only thing really that an ambassador needs to do, right, is to share the information with their school. And they also have a degree of input when it comes to decision making. Um, so that's definitely um, what I would suggest if you really want to start organizing in Los Angeles, you can definitely reach out to us and be like, hey, I want to be an ambassador and you can apply and we'll call you and then we'll get you looped in. Um, and then as the time passes by, if you want to be an organizer, then welcome to the team. <laughs> so that's pretty much how we work. That's great. And yeah, and remember everybody that Jesus said that he started on this around February. So we're not even talking nine months and he's on his... March 15th, we had, and we keep in mind, we spent uh, three weeks planning. We got a thousand kids outside of Los Angeles City Hall. Wow. Yeah, um, it was a big one. Um, and then again, in May 24th, we had, I believe, 800 children. And we took the streets this time. Um, we got a permit, obviously. But we took the streets and marched from Pershing Square to uh, LA City Hall. Um, and then again, this time around, we're working on taking the streets again, right? We're working in the permitting process. But that's more or less um, what we've been up to. And then we also have strikes every other uh, um, once a, a month. So every second Friday of the month, except for, for, for this month. Um, so except for September, because it's September 20th. And so we need all hands on deck. So that's the only one we're missing. <laughs> And so when you do your second Friday, your monthly school strikes, uh, where, where do you go? Um, we tend to meet in LA City Hall on the South Lawn. It's, it has a lot of shade and there's a lot of trees. The, the monthly strikes are more or less like in the pattern of the big strikes where we have um, speakers and music and a march and speakers and music um, just, with a, just with a bit less um, people and just, you know, um, it's people who have a bit more time and that want to remember and remind the people behind the walls, right, that we're protesting in front of that we're still watching um, and that because 
all of the people that work within City Hall have to pass in front of our demonstration to get in. So we remind them, right, that we're watching and that we're paying attention and that if there's something that we want to fight for, right, there's a bill or there's a proposition or a motion that we will be there fighting for it and we will be in those uh, we will be in those hallways knocking on doors too. <laughs> this is really an amazing thing because a lot of this traces back to Greta Thunberg in Sweden starting that school climate strike, which was just started, I believe, in August 2018. Um, and I know that the numbers for the May climate strike were 1.4 million uh, young people that left school and in something like 120 countries. So this is, this is pretty exciting stuff. And, and so the other thing is for anybody that's listening and thinking of doing the climate strike, that remember to, to head to greenteamacademy.com and get all the different free resources that I have there about how to start a team. So if you do that climate strike and then you come back and feel like, oh, what are we doing? then go there. I have the, like in the green team essentials, it's the 12 common green team mistakes and how to avoid them. And there's, you know, the 60 some episodes on the podcast where you can listen to other folks that have started. Um, and I have a free training, how to transform yourself and our world before it's too damn late. Um, so there's, there's plenty. Once I think the the strike really gets, gets people motivated, but, be, be planning on what you're going, going to do next um, as you go forward. And so with that, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Jesus, uh, your favorite motto, your, your words of wisdom as we, as we sign off here? Um, yeah, okay. Um, so adding on the note, right, that anyone can really um, step up and do what has to be done because no one's really going to do it if you don't. <laughs> Um, it takes a lot of ordinary people to make something extraordinary. Um, so even if you don't feel like you're the next MLK, right, or the next Oprah, um, there's definitely something that you can contribute and that you can add to because it wasn't just a leader. It was so many hundreds of thousands of people behind that leader that worked towards making things happen. Um, so even if you don't see yourself in that position right now, um, you will find yourself in that position if you really have to. And so it's time to start now before it's too late. Perfect. Well, that's a great note to sign off on. And I think, you know, you might even be thinking, well, I don't even know what to do. But as Jesus was saying, if, you, if you're a musician or if you're an artist or anything that any skill or interest that you have, you can step up and bring that to the table and help out if you're a graphic designer or you know how to do spreadsheets. <laughs> you know, those are skills that, that you can be, as Jesus was saying, that to, I love that, that's beautiful, to, to have something extraordinary happen. It takes a lot of ordinary people doing ordinary things um, to pull it together. All right, so remember everybody, September 20th, climate strike internationally, but if you want to, um, if you want to join the one there in LA, um, that that is at Pershing Square at noon, and uh, you can follow, you can find these guys uh, at climate, on Instagram at climatestrike.la.
All right. Thanks so much, Jesus. I really appreciate you making time and you you give a lot of inspiration for people who are have a million excuses in their mind of why they're not able to do it. The fact that you just stepped up and did it is going to create ripples of a lot of ordinary people uh, finding out that they, as you are, are very extraordinary. So thanks so much. And remember, everybody, the time for action is now because there is no planet B. Bye, Jesus. Bye. Have a great one. Well, that's it for another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. Remember to check out all the resources to help you make a positive eco impact in your community at greenteamacademy.com. Thanks so much and see you right back here soon.